Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to lesson six of Teach Me How to Love You Better. As we continue on this journey in assisting our men and how to properly and effectively know how to treat our women, I sent a request out to someone that I admire, who is bold, often spicy, very sexual, but nonetheless a lady, and she will cuss you the hell out if you approach her inappropriately. I asked her a while back about bringing her sass and sophistication on this platform and she agreed and I enjoyed learning about her and her experiences with men. Today we have AJ who is affectionately known as Badass Jones who is formerly of the Love Lust and Badass Soul podcast and is now the owner and curator of the Poom Poom Chronicles pod and webcast. I was able to connect with her on several topics within this conversation. We discussed the context of some misguided needs that individuals have that become responsibilities for other people, the proper communication etiquette, and most importantly, fetishes, which is the title of this lesson. She explained to us men that no matter how you see her or size her up, she is still very much a lady and deserves to be treated as such. So in other words, calm your horny sometimes disgusting ass down and remember that the pedestal you place your mother and daughter on should have a lot more women on it and you should elevate more women to that standard you set for that level of love you reserve for only those two people in your life any woman who shares with you in any capacity deserves decency and respect at all times and aj insisted in this conversation that we see even the woman who is overtly sexual as a lady nonetheless so ladies support your sister fellas sit back and shut the hell up because we have treated our women as fetishes for so long that they have become more and more disgusted with the mere thoughts of our existence so apparently this is something we need to hear welcome to lesson six which is titled fetishes by none other than badass jones on teach me how to love you better So today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a surprise. This is this has been a process to make this happen. I've been trying to like situate myself. And then, you know, this is a very busy woman. So this is a really great thing that is taking place that you are privy to at this particular moment. I have who they call badass Jones. Now, we all know what that means when we say <laughs> this. <laughs> we know what this means, right? This is going to be an excellent conversation. And um, again, Badass Jones of the Poom Poom Chronicles podcast is here today to discuss women, men, and all things other shit. How are you today? <laughs> I am fantastic. You have me here gritting. I love that intro. That's fabulous. <laughs> but I am well. I am well and so very excited to be here and to be part of this experience. This is going to be amazing because I know that I'm going to do my absolute best to take you out of the realm that people are most familiar with when it comes to you. And I know you're going to add that small pinch of island spice to these answers that we're going to need. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But um, for those of the, li well, for the listeners, of course, that do not know who you are, 
just take a few minutes to introduce yourself and all the what you have going on so that they can be in tune and possibly subscribe and, you know, get all of the information they would need to know about what you're doing. Okay. Uh, so I am uh, AJ Badass Jones. You can call me Badass Jones or you can call me AJ. Um, I am the owner and host of the Pum Pum Chronicles, which is a life-based podcast um, where I give advice and feedback and my interpretation on all things related to love, sex, intimacy, relationships, fuckery and foolery that people get into on their day-to-day <laughs> basis. You know, the life and thing. Um, I am originally from Jamaica. I live in Canada. Um, but as you can hear from time to time, you know, the talkings and the chattings, them come out every now and again, depending on <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> um, so I have a podcast page. I have a podcast that is streaming on a bunch of different platforms. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, I am a writer and a blogger, and I also have my own business. So got a bunch of different things going on. And I am the purveyor of many different hairstyles, which is part of like, the Jamaican dancehall culture. You know, you might see me in a pink here one time, in a blue here next time, in a black here, sometimes long, always sexy. I saw oh, the man. I love it. <laughs> I love every second and minute of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have you here for many reasons, of course, but um, for you listeners, this is what we call Teach Me How to Love You Better. It's a segment that comes from a man asking a woman to teach him the things that he would need to know in order to implement a more healthier space for a woman to be loved in. Now, the reason why she's here is because I do not want the cookie cutter answers because I think that what begins to happen in this space for me is that we we begin to be repetitive and we don't get the clarity and the confidence we would need to move forward in these relationships. So, one of the things that I really want to ask you as a more mature and seasoned woman, because a lot of the women I speak to are still relatively young, right? There's a space where the age bracket of maybe 21 to possibly 55 are all having the same comments about men. You even hear people that are 55 saying men ain't shit like that. That's weird to me. You know, to be that old, not necessarily old, but that up in age, rather, and hear women of that age say men ain't shit. So, like, in your mind, when you think about men and your relationships and experiences with men, what comes to mind for you as to your dealings with men? Is it somewhat the same or do you have a difference of opinion? Oh, I definitely have a difference of opinion. I don't I don't believe in pieces that are gender specific or comments that are gender specific. Mm -hmm. um, because I know plenty of women who are older in age and they ain't shit either. You know, I don't think that that comment or that term is gender specific. Um, I know a lot of men, you know, as you say, I'm, 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 I'm much older <laughs> than a lot of people think. Um, and I've, I've had experiences with men who are considerably younger than myself. And then I've had experiences with men that are in the same age category, you know, the 45 to 50 um, age category. And really and truly for me, it's about the character of the person and what that person um, 
what they're what they base their life on, what their goals are, what their accomplishments are, and the direction that they're heading in. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of men that are out there that are productive, that are gainfully employed, that are educated, that are well traveled, that are well read, that are curious, that are interested, and that are interesting. And although they may not have all the pieces of their life um, in order or set the way that they might want they do have goals and they're working towards that and they do have goals where they're trying to achieve those things right i find that the the women who say that men ain't shit are usually the women who are looking for a man to supplement their life in some kind of weird way as opposed to being able to take care of themselves and then being in a relationship with someone who complements their life i find that too many people are looking for someone to complete them as opposed to someone who complements them and that to me Mm. has always been a a weird uh sort of dynamic that i see people get into you know it's like you know if he's not paying one or more bills if he's not giving me money to do my hair and if he's not doing all these things then he ain't shit and all this kind of stuff and my whole thing is like why aren't you able to do those things for yourself so that if a man comes along in your life and he gives you money to do your hair and he gives you money to pay one and two bills, it's something that you're actually appreciative of as instead of like an upfront expectation. Too many wow. women feel like because they've got good pussy that a man should be like overjoyed that, oh my God, she's giving me good pussy. Here, let me give you all, all everything that I've, <laughs> I've worked so hard for in my life. And if I'm not able to give you everything that I've worked so hard for in my life, then I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an ain't shit nigga. You know? mm-hmm. Now, don't confuse that with men who are broken and broke and don't have nothing to offer you and won't come take a space in your life, that's a completely different thing altogether. (laughs) But there are good men out there who have things and who are making an effort and who are trying and who are productive and who are committed and who are loyal and all of these good things. It's this misconception that women have that those men are supposed to automatically hand over everything in their existence to them because they're flinging little pum pum on people. It doesn't work that (laughs) I I totally agree. And um you know the interesting thing is I just um had a realization that broke and broken are two completely different things although they are associated um oftentimes with each other because usually the person that was broke never really had the means. Um usually they come from a lot more meager circumstances. They probably um are still struggling to survive in certain capacities, but the person that's broken is ultimately a person that had it and squandered it or possibly misused it, gave too much of, or maybe gave too much access to another person with what they had. And now they're trying to replenish something that was afforded to them already. And now that bitterness and resentment probably sets in because you know that you had it, but now you have to struggle to kind of get it back. And that is what, tends to be the issue with men and women is because we're all broken to a capacity, but we can't hold somebody responsible to put us back together. Certain pieces have to come from our own fragments in order to put ourselves back together. So I do understand what you're saying, but it's just weird to, to see women with these depictions of men in such a wide range of experience like i mean a 21 year old still has a whole lot of life to live so like when you hear a 21 year old say oh niggas ain't shit we don't care it's like oh girl keep living (laughs) (laughs) you're still young you're still still growing like okay you're fine a couple more days you'll feel different but to hear somebody who's like been through generations of men and to have as much you know background and experience 
it's disturbing. It's not alarming at all. It's disturbing because it's like, at what point at the age that you are, do you take accountability? And that's what I'm hearing you say when you say like, okay, well, look, you know, you're depending on somebody for something that naturally is not really even supposed to give you. It's supposed to come from yourself, you know? So what do you suggest for women to do at that age that feel that way? What are they supposed to do in that position? For me, it's a couple of things. You know, I think that there's a, you know, as much as as older women have life experience and they've got that sort of backing, a lot of them don't have an understanding. Mm. And when you look at where people come from in terms of how they were raised, in terms of familial association, in terms of cultural association, there are a lot of these really crazy stereotypes that exist on how relationships should play out between a man and a woman based on that man's financial status, you know? And it's one of those things, again, individuals coming together should be individuals coming together. It shouldn't be, well, you know, I get into a relationship with you. What do I bring to the table? I'm bringing some good pum pum. I can cook one and two meals. And then what you should be bringing to the table is being able to pay my bills, being able to pay my cart note, being able to give me money to do my hair, being able to give me money to do my nails, giving me some good dick, giving me some good head, taking care of my kids. Let's make a couple more babies, buying me a house, taking me on. And all these <laughs> plethora of things. No, but really and truly that I can't do for myself, you know, and, and that's the craziest part about it. So, you know, you get into these relationships where the dynamics are, are unbalanced because you have one person that has these crazy expectations of the other person. And sometimes, you know, it's the man having those expectations of the woman, right? But in this in this case, it's, it's the other way around. But you get into these relationships where there's these unbalanced expectations and it just shouldn't be that way. Mm. If I cannot afford to do my own hair, I shouldn't have the expectation that the man that I'm with comes into this relationship with me that, and now that's his responsibility. You know, right, right, prior right. to being with anybody, why were you not able to take care of yourself? You didn't live in the house before. You lived in a government projects. Now you're in a relationship with this man and you want him to, the expectation that you have is that he's supposed to put you in a three bedroom home in a really nice community. You know, if you're not able to do those things for yourself, you shouldn't have, and you should not place that expectation on another individual. You know, mm. my whole thing is it's like, what are you doing to better your own circumstances? What are you doing to better yourself? You know, you, again, you cannot place unrealistic expectations on another person and expect them to come through with those, that or any of those things in order to save you. Right, People right. want to do the work to make themselves better. They're so concerned about placing that expectation, expectation on somebody else to make their situation better. And that's just unfair. I can't be responsible for what your expectations of me are. Right, those right. Patients have nothing to do with me in any way, shape, or form. I am responsible to better myself. As an adult, I'm responsible to take care of myself. As an adult, I'm responsible to work on getting my shit together. As an adult, I'm responsible to work on putting those pieces in place to sustain my own existence. Because if, suppose our relationship mash up, then what? Mm -hmm. You're kicking me out of the house that you bought for me because your name is the name that's on the mortgage. I'm no longer able to do my hair and I've got my one inch ponytail because you're not <laughs> no longer giving me money to do hair. You know what I mean? I have three broken nails on one hand and five broken nails on the next hand because I can't afford to do my nails because I'm not getting money from you anymore. My toenails are scraping the ground when I'm walking by in my shoes because I can't afford to get a pedicure because you're not able to give me those things anymore. Why? Because our relationship mash up. Right, right. Why are you not working on those pieces for yourself? 
we are responsible to ourselves first and foremost as adults to get our shit together. And that is my problem that with a lot of women and especially a lot of older women, they get into this mindset that, oh, a man is just supposed to take care of me. Okay, well, how are you helping to take care of him and how are you helping to sustain the relationship? Because if the only thing that you have to offer is some good pom pom and it might even be mediocre pom pom, you need to go have several seats somewhere and pick up a book and like read <laughs> or go back to school and pick up a craft or <laughs> changing your career because that to me that's just whatlessness. It's absolute whatlessness. If you cannot give as good as you get, you have no right to have an expectation of a person. Wow. And that is why we have badass Jones here yes. to shake up this conversation okay so with that being said this particular process of the show is where i ask you a question i ask you a question that basically is just your opinion on what you would suggest a man do in this particular scenario but while you answered the question i am to say absolutely nothing i let you get all of your words out you can be as vulgar profane and as personal whatever it is that you feel this is this is your space to get it all out and tell us what you would like for us to know about how we can love women better right and then i am not to speak until you say okay bj you may speak now <laughs> okay so you ready for the question Whew. okay hold on <laughs> <laughs> all right so the question is in what way as a woman, do you believe a man could love a woman better, but not for his own benefit, but the benefit of the women he's actually trying to love? Oh, Lord. Um, I am really big on communication. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, the painful, the joyful communication on a whole. Um, I find that oftentimes men shy away from certain types of conversation because it also puts them in a vulnerable position to expose their emotions and to have to deal with their emotions, not just to deal with the emotions of the woman that they're involved with. Um, communication has to happen. And in order for anyone to love anyone effectively, Sometimes it's going to be the type of communication that's going to pull at your heartstrings. Sometimes it's going to be the type of communication that leaves you feeling, feeling vulnerable. Sometimes it's going to be the type of communication that exposes you. Sometimes it's going to be the type of communication that makes you relive certain aspects of your life that you've been trying to avoid or that you feel like you've buried. Um, in order to move forward in any sort of healthy, loving type of way in any relationship, not just with a woman, but with anybody and even yourself, you have to be open to those types of dialogues and open to those kind of, kinds of communications, but in a really honest and raw type of way. Of course, that requires trust. Um, and that's something that sometimes, you know, men have to dig a little deeper for in order to trust a woman to let them into that part of them. But in order for you to have any kind of success, successful relationship with a woman, you do have to open that, that, that door of trust or let that floodgate open in order to have those types of honest communications, um, with her. And, you know, it's not just about bantering with her about what it is that she's saying and about the way that she feels. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're emotional creatures, you know, and, and everybody knows this. We're hormonal for a number of different reasons. We are just emotional creatures. And, and sometimes for us, part of the process is, you know, working through those emotions to get to where it is that we're actually trying to arrive at. 
but we can't do it without you know going through all those emotions so going through the crying going through the sulking going through the pouting going through the pity party you know doing the whole gamut um i feel like you know if a woman is willing if a will a woman is if a woman is opening up to you in that way where she's going through the gamut of emotions in order to get to the point where she wants to arrive at but she wants to do that with you you need to allow her to do that because it's the only way that you're going to get past that point if you shut her down every time she starts to cry if you shut her down every time she starts to talk about the way she feels if you shut her down every time she wants to have a conversation if you shut her down every time she says we need to talk you're never going to move forward in any kind of way you're never going to move forward in any kind of healthy way and as much as it may be agonizing as much as it may sometimes be repetitive, as much as it may be like, oh my God, can we just like move past this part? You have to take the patience and take the time and make the effort to help her get through those things in order for her to arrive. And she wants to bring you on that journey with her. You need to go with her. You, you can't let her do it by herself because you're going to miss stuff. You know, the sad and unfortunate thing about it is, you know, also too, if you don't take that that ride with her or take that journey of emotion with her to help her arrive at the place that she needs to be, she'll turn to someone else to do that. And oftentimes that's why relationships, you know, get into those emotional cheating spaces because she is having that emotional communication and, and making that emotional bond with someone who's actually willing to listen to her and someone who's actually willing to make that journey with her to arrive at that place that she needs to get to. If you want to be that man in her life, you got to make that journey with her. It will teach you things about yourself. It will help you to, you know, develop patience and understanding so you're better able to deal with her. And sometimes it really only takes one conversation of understanding for you to learn how to effectively deal with her and to effectively deal with her emotions and to effectively support her. So you're not always having those long, tedious, drawn out conversations, but you're actually able to help focus her to help her get to that that, that point of reaching sooner than later so you're not having those wild out of control conversations because I, I understand that sometimes we can be absolutely emotionally crazy and the <laughs> the conversations go off on a tangent um but as I said you know if you if you effectively <laughs> support her through the conversation it helps you to help her and it helps you to help yourself BJ talk to me all right <laughs> all right now that was great. Um, I really love the idea of the journey um, because in most instances, I think that our expectations of what we've been through kind of makes the journey seem tedious or um, drawn out. Like you feel like you've been here before, so you're not as excited to go to the same places with a different person. Um, and sometimes when you invite a person that has never been on this experience with you, you create new memories and new energy together. So um, the journey is always seeming to be this long, drawn out process that nobody really wants to ever arrive to or even go through. And um, I really want to emphasize the journey because of the fact that a lot of us really haven't been anywhere as much as we think when it comes to. Um, relationships and communication like you really don't have a foundation or a standard for it you just have experiences you know and um, just talking things out for me and my own relationship have kind of helped me create spaces for myself that I know I didn't have any other place Um, I remember being that person that was always in argumentative relationships and I didn't realize that being silent 
even though I knew my silence was because of um, being drained of my energy or possibly being annoyed, me saying absolutely nothing made it worse, you know, because that does result to that shutdown in her Mm -hmm. eyes in the heat of that moment. But when I decided to express, I am no longer giving you this energy. Like it was received a lot different because of course she never heard you say this before and she probably never seen you that calm saying anything. You know what I'm saying? So I remember setting those boundaries. I'm not going to yell in my own house, you know, like those type of things. So communication is very important. And I really appreciate hearing you say it because communication has always been, well, men aren't intentional. Like we're supposed to tell you how we feel about you in action. But what you have to understand is if you don't understand us based on what we say first, usually that's what establishes the respect. Like you respect what I'm saying to you. I'm communicating what I actually feel. Sometimes us being those moments when we're like kind of like fumbling over words should tell you that we're not quite there yet on what we feel in that moment. But just appreciate the effort of trying to figure it out in that moment. That's a method of communication, too. You know, so um, I took a lot from what you said, and I hope the listeners did, too. So uh, a man that I am currently involved with, um, he's really big on me expressing my feelings to him. And I remember he had said to me, you know, good or bad, even if it's about me and you're upset with me, I want to know because I don't want you to shoulder the burden of responsibility by yourself. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I thought like, I've never heard anyone say that before. Like, oh, wow. You know, if I'm upset with you, you want to know because you don't want me to be upset, not necessarily angry at you, but you just don't want me to have to deal with that emotionally by myself. You want to assist in helping me to get back to normal or at the very least process my feelings about you and help in whatever regards you can. So on the flip side of that, he's not able to do that for himself. So if he gets to a place where he is disappointed or he's upset about something, he goes into complete shutdown mode. Mm. And right. So on several occasions, I've said to him, you know, you cannot have the expectation of me that I talk to you about everything that's emotionally happening with me in regards to you. But then there's no reciprocity in that. That doesn't work for me. And I can't function that way. Um, So much so that I had to sit him down and, and say like, okay, Even if you don't do anything proactively about this right now, this is the fifth time I've said this to you, and it's going to be the last time that I say it to you. Mm. I need you to hear me and hear exactly what I'm saying to you. Yes, yes. Right. You shutting down instead of at the very least saying to me, I need time to process this first before I talk to you. You shutting down completely and not saying anything to me for two and three days does not work, and it puts me at... It puts me in a bad place emotionally because I'm struggling to figure out what's going on. And then it forces me into shutdown mode. And then I just don't want to talk to you at all. And I don't want to be in that place. And I don't want to go to that place. And as adults, I don't think that that's the way that our relationship should function. And it's just not healthy. Yes. He 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 heard me. It, it's unfortunate. It took five times for me to say it to him. But after sitting him down like straight and saying like, I'm not going to continue to do this with you. You need to hear me and hear me in this exact moment as I'm saying it to you. He received and he heard it. So the next time there was an incident where, or an instance where, you know, there's something that was going on external to me that he was unhappy about. He messaged me and he said, I'm processing something. I'm dealing with something emotional. I can't talk to you about it right now. But once I've had a chance to process it, I will talk to you. 
Oh. And I was just like, oh, shit. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that, and, and that, for me, spoke volumes because that is the essence of communication. Yes. It has to be a two-way street. Absolutely, it does. So, now that we've gotten the small question out of the way, we're going to get into today's topic, which is um, something that I believe is very important because we're kind of at a space where sexuality is becoming very dirty based on perception. You know, um, the common functions of sexuality between men and women are being torn down by so many weird uh, quirks and um, lacks of communication in regards to our physical needs and desires. So many things are being tainted that are um, a part of our humanity. But there are some things that I believe need to be addressed because sometimes these things are very disrespectful. And that thing is fetishes. So um, there's a point in a a growing boy where he's told to sow his royal oats, whatever that shit means, because, I mean, what we perceive it to be has nothing to do with what it actually means and, you know, verbiage, to be honest. But um, we're taught to go out, find ourselves and all of these different women and these different habits and um, traits that we have sexually become, you know, who we are. And we show ourselves to people and we really humiliate ourselves in certain ways because we don't get to familiarize ourselves with who we have these sexual exchanges with. And one of the things that are that I feel is common with fetishes is that you don't know the person well enough to go beyond their boundary. Mm-hmm. But you set an expectation for her in your sexual relationship. And it and it comes off as total disrespect. So I want to talk to you on an educational level about what fetishes are, how they are developed, and how we are to implement them in a relationship in the most respectful way to the woman. Okay. Okay. So as men, we don't really know what it feels like to be fetishized in that way. Do we or should we as men know how a woman feels about herself first before we entertain our sexual needs and conversation with her. Because I think sometimes we think of that phrase, we grown. So people are just more prone to accept us for being adults in our feelings, but not necessarily knowing how to present them to a person in any type of way. So should we know the person first before we go into any type of fetishes or kinks of any kind absolutely uh you can't take familiarity for granted um especially in the age that we live in and and, you know everything is is blasted and plastered on social media Mm -hmm. people just have this natural they develop this natural self of entitled sense of entitlement to any and everybody that they see because they're on social media. You know, it's one of those things that because you have, because you can say it doesn't mean that you should say it. Right, right, right. Um, You know, you see a woman walk by with a, with a big ass. And as much as you are, you know, a worshiper of big asses does not mean that you should go to said woman and say, Oh my God, your ass is so fat. I love it. You know, it's offensive. You know, yes, yes. I'm sure she knows her ass is fat. I'm sure she hears on a regular basis about it 
it's really weird when people lead off with what their fetish is instead of, you know, hi, my name is Brian. I'd really like to get to know you. Right, right, <laughs> or right. Like, got a big ass. It's fabulous. I'd like to get to know you. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> somewhere along the way in, in the world that we live in, where everything is so readily available and so easily accessible, especially when it comes to sex and fetishes and sexuality, people have somehow lost the idea of a tactful approach. People mm. have lost the idea of a respectful approach. People have lost the idea of a humane approach. And people have lost the idea of just the art of conversation with someone. You yes, know, yes. again, because you can say it doesn't mean that you should, should say it. And right. it definitely should not be your lead off. You know, you don't know me from anywhere. You don't know if I like men, boys, cats dogs if i'm asexual you know nothing about me and your approach should not be from your perspective it should be from what is the most respectful way for you to come and say hello and for you to introduce yourself before you're thinking from the waist down right or from your thing from that point in your mind that oh my god i'd really like to put my face between her ass cheeks let me just go up to her and say that and <laughs> see whether or not she's down with it you know what i mean how about hi <laughs> what is your name right do you live somewhere other than in a cardboard box? Do you got five and 20 kids? You know what I mean? Like, right. do I know those things about you first before you telling me that you want to put your face in my ass? It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. Um, it seems like common sense, but we take for granted that everybody has not tapped into the ideas of common sense because I do truly believe we are all gifted with some level of it. But a lot of folks have yet to actually tap into it. But I wanted to ask you because, of course, you have a a very, very sexualized persona to the public. You know, you you change between the 50 wigs and, you know, you take these very you take these very provocative pictures. And um, it, it's a, a very sexy display in a sense. So because people are fans of what you do in most cases, and they listen to you talk about sex on a regular basis, they think that that's the common ground. And then you also have in other spaces where women are, you know, advertising that they're modeling and that they have a swimsuit line that pretty much highlights the ass and all of the other um, curvy parts of her body. So that feels like a common ground for an approach. What is the way to kind of combat that idea and use a more tactful and respectful approach because in most cases you'll find that the people that actually talk and work in those spaces don't want to communicate or converse on that all the time. So how do you as a man start a conversation based on something outside of what you know them for? Um, treat her as a woman. Mm. It, it, it sounds basic. <laughs> treat her as a woman, you know, forget the breast, forget the cleavage, for, forget the lip gloss, forget the sexy body, you know, and, and, and the gazillion followers that she has and the same thing that everybody else sees and treat her like a woman right. and talk to her like a woman. So I'll tell you, the craziest thing that happens to me is, is that, you know, I'll have someone message me and, and, you know, they'll, they'll send me a DM and they're talking all manners of shit. And so instead of typing a physical response, I send a voice note. Because more times they don't know what I sound like. 
And so people just have this natural assumption of what they think I sound like based on the way that I look, based on my cultural background, and based on whatever else it is that they perceive about me. Mm-hmm. And BJ, the second they hear my voice, you know, people always say, oh my God, you speak so proper. <laughs> and it changes the entire scope of the conversation because now they realize you're not dealing with an airhead. As much as I look, you know, super sexual and I'm, I, I'm absolutely provocative. I have been this way for as long as I can remember and I'm too old to change at this point in time. <laughs> it not, it not up in, right? It not up in, I'm not chant. But at the same time, I am highly intellectual. I am well-read. I am well-traveled. And I do speak proper because this is me. This is the way that I sound. This, this, and I, you see, I flow back and forth very easily between, because this is me and this is the way that I sound. When I send a voice note in exchange for the, the, the typed note that they've sent, now they have to change the way that they speak to me. Now they have to step up their game. Now they have to change their conversation. So whereas someone would, would DM me and they put HRU for the how are you, my response is, I'm well, thank you. Good morning. How are you? Oh, what? Now they're wow. actually typing out how are you <laughs> completely changes the scope of the conversation. And my thing is, if you just approach a woman like a woman first, you'll know what her mindset is and you'll know how to move forward from there. You have some women where you say to them, you know, good morning, good morning, beautiful, how are you? They'll be like, don't come at me with all that good morning shit. You automatically off the bat know how to proceed with that conversation. Mm -hmm. But if you say good morning, beautiful, how are you doing? And my response is I am well, because most people say I'm good. And there's no such thing as I'm good as a response. The proper response is I am well. Mm. It changes the scope of the conversation and it makes people realize she's not one to be played around with. She's not one to be fucked around with. I actually have to come a little bit more intellectual with my discussions with this woman because she's not a girl and she's not a child. And there's, she's a woman of substance, you know what I mean? So now I'm looking at this sexy body woman who's also intelligent. Shit, what did I get myself into? Oh, yeah. Approach her as a woman. Approach her as a woman. You know what I mean? Approach her as a man approaching a woman. Don't degrade yourself. Don't degrade her. Not even based on what you see. If you're genuinely and sincerely interested as a man, approach her as a woman. And her response to you will let you know how you should proceed. And the manner in which you should proceed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have enough young boys try to come talk to me. And the second they realize, I could one, I could be your mom. Two, I'm not coming down to that level of conversation with you because I just don't talk like that. I'm not t- doing that, you know, nigga this and nigga that and bitch this because that's just not me. Right, right. It's just not, it's not me. It's just not me and it feels unnatural. But when they like when I respond to them, they realize, you know what? Yeah, this is not. They'll be like, you know what? I hope you have a great day, and they just they don't come back because right. they realize I'm not the one. I'm not, I'm not her. As a woman, start your conversation off with her that way, and the way she responds will let you know how to carry your carry on and conduct yourself. Oh, okay. That was a perfect answer. That was an absolutely perfect answer. I really do believe that that is the way. The way that you explained it is exactly the way but um now that we've kind of covered the fetish aspect there is a particular type of fetish that i wanted to discuss and um the conversation is more so geared towards the women of size because there's a disturbing way that most women of size are fetishized in this day and age um it's it's weird and creepy um, to be, you know, quite honest. And um, I wanted to talk about it because 
we really don't understand the plight of the woman of size. We're so disrespectful that we don't even know if she's comfortable even being called that, you know, like the big girl or anything. We just we give her her labels. We treat her how we want to treat her. She's just supposed to be grateful for what she gets. She's almost degraded before she gets anything. It's almost like you predict everything that she deserves. It's just a terrible way for us to proceed in a um, respectful manner to that particular woman. So um, interesting enough, you were telling me that you deal with this area pretty much. Yes. And um, what has your experiences been like for those people that you encounter in that space of being a more curvy woman? and being mistreated by men in such a way? It's, uh, <laughs> so feti the fetish fetishizing of fat girls and fat women, SSB SSBBWs, which are supersized BBWs and BBWs, um, you know, thick girls, fat girls, fluffy girls, fluffy divas, plush girls, you know, all of the, all of the labels. Um, it's kind of a, I don't even know it. So on one hand, you know, a lot of women who fit into the different categories I just listed have found fame and notoriety to some degree, um, you know, from this, this, this new craze and this new fetish. But then you have to think also on the flip side of that, you know, there are people who say that they love plus size women and they love SSBBWs and they love all the fat and the rolls and the jiggles and the, the love handles and all these kind of things, but they won't publicly date someone like that. They right, won't right. date a woman like that and bring her home to their, their mom or their family. They won't date a woman like that and bring them bring her around their friends. They won't date a woman like that and go in, out in daylight with her. They'll go to like a late night movie or like, you know, a late night place to eat or they'll go to her place and chill, you know, and oftentimes, you know, she won't be allowed to come to where they live. Uh, a friend of mine who is uh, a plus plus size woman, she was dating this really gorgeous man um, for a really long time. And then I asked her one day, you know, how come none of us ever met him? She's like, oh, you know, he's always busy, you know, and the only time I really get to see him is like at night. And so he comes over at night and he'll, you know, spend the night. But then he works really early. And it was just one bugger excuse every single time. And she was dating, quote unquote, this man for like a year and nobody had ever seen this guy. Come to find out that he had a whole life and a whole family, but because he liked the idea of fucking a fat girl, because he liked the idea of the way that, you know, her body felt juicy and the way that she sucked his dick and, you know, the good pussy that comes with fat girls and, you know, fat girl, pum pum and all them things that, you know, he would sleep with her, but wouldn't do anything else with her in daylight or in public, you know? Mm. And sadly and unfortunately, you have a lot of men who think that way. Like they're on this bad bandwagon of, you know, oh, I love BBWs, I love SSBBWs. But in truth, they would never date a woman of that size because it's unacceptable. It's not acceptable to society. You know, they're they're afraid of what their friends may think. They think their friends might laugh or whatever the case may be, you know? People don't understand the emotional and mental damage that they are causing these women and the ways in which they are harming these women by putting them into these boxes and placing these labels on them and putting them into these categories instead of just viewing them as women and as human beings. You know, we are not all created to be the same size and physically we are not all equal. And that doesn't make any one body 
any worse or any better than the other. It just means that everyone comes with different packaging, just like some of us are tall and some of us are short. You know, some of us have black hair and some of us have blonde hair and some of us have fake hair, like myself. Yeah, and that's not, it's just the difference of, of the way that we were all created. You know, that doesn't mean that someone needs to be mistreated or mishandled or dealt with callously or even dealt with on a, on a false level where you're giving them false love and false security and false hopes and making them believe that you're in this relationship with them or making them believe that you want to be in this relationship with them when all you want to do is to be able to say that you fucked a fat girl or you fucked a big girl or you had some big girl pussy. You know, when I hear celebrities talk about, you know, things like, oh gosh, there's one particular celebrity, she's like, you know, I'm a skinny bitch, but I got fat girl pussy because fat girls got good pussy. You know, underneath that fupa, underneath all their rolls, they've got good pussy. I got fat bitch, fat bitch pussy. And she's brag and bigging up her bigging up herself about that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, are you crazy? How mm. dare you? You know, this is what you've reduced a plus size woman to. This is what you've reduced, a, you know, a bigger than average woman to is the fact that she's got good pussy because she's fat. You know, mm. when in society did we come to that? When, in, you know, when in society have we decided that, you know, an SSBBW and a BBW is really only good for one thing is the fact that she's got good pussy because she's fat. I don't know when in life we got to that point of deciding the worth of a woman based on the number of roles that she has, based on how big her fupa is, based on, you know, how much weight she carries, based on how much she jiggles and shakes and how many, you know, lumps and bumps there are. I don't know when in society we've gotten to a place of determining a woman's value based on those things. And people are not understanding the impact of harm of emotional and mental damage and emotional and mental abuse that they are causing these people, they're causing these women by sticking in, the, in these boxes and these categories, you know? I commend the women who have used it to their advantage to, you know, push themselves to the forefront and to bring actual recognition to women who were considered to be SSBBWs and BBWs and, you know, pushing to the forefront that it's okay to love us as we are and it's okay to love us because of who we are, not just because of our physical selves. Those women I commend, but I also feel very badly for the whole other group of women who are not that point of are not at that point of enlightenment, and they feel they're made to feel ashamed, mm. and they're made to feel unworthy, and they're made to feel unloved, and they're made to feel like something is wrong with them because they've got more weight on their body than another woman. Those wow. kind of things are crazy to me, and and that's for me where fetishizing becomes a real issue and a real problem. If you're not interested in her as a woman. Take the fat out of it, take the fupa out of it, take the rolls and the lumps and the bumps and the snacks. And she's got, she's a, you know, she's got thighs and and you know all the stupid fucking memes that you see about she's a whole snack because she's got thighs and rolls and wings and hips and whatever this this stupidness is. Take mm -hmm. all of that out. Love her as a woman. Treat her as a woman. Treat her with kindness, treat her with respect, treat her with love, treat her with decency, treat her with dignity. Because at the end of the day, when you strip down all of those things, she's a human being. Yes. And yes. wants loved and accept accepted the way that any other human being wants to be loved and accepted. You know, people think it's cool to fetishize people. Not everybody wants to be fetishized. Not everybody wants to be looked at and loved for the fact that they've got a fupa. You know, you have women who are struggling with the fact that they've got a fucking fupa. They don't want it. Mm -hmm. Here you are drawing light and attention to it. Oh, I love girls that have fupas. You know what I mean? I, I talked to a woman once where, you know, she was struggling with real issues because every time she had sex with this, this, the man that she was with, he would grab her fupa and she said like she felt sickened 
every time that he did it. And she didn't know how to have a conversation with him to say to him, it makes me uncomfortable when you do that because I'm not comfortable with my, my my body or that particular part of my body, you know? But for him, because it was like this fetish to like be able to grab that part of her body, she just quietly dealt with it, even though it was killing her inside. Mm, mm. It, it, it shouldn't be that way. Like, you know, on one hand, it's okay to like whatever you like and it's okay to have you know, a fetish for whatever it is that you want, but you need to check with the person that you're with or check with the person that you're engaging with to make sure that they're equally okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's why I wanted to um have this conversation because I do feel that um there is a duality to this conversation where we do need to have a sense of etiquette with how we deal with these women um, respectfully, but then it's also to challenge them to confront the discomfort as well because they romanticize those very issues and those very pains that they feel so um i just have a few questions based on listening to what you were saying i want to start by asking you how do you feel women feel about being labeled as a meal considering that society feels as though too much was on your plate already because usually it's not to say looking like a meal as if it was a healthier portion, it's still the assumption that too much was on the plate. Like you get an abundance of whatever it is that you get to consume. So naturally looking like a meal without knowing this as a woman is still offensive. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost to say like, okay, well you're just assuming that too much is on the plate and this is how you're going to continue to look at me as if I'm not, I'm not a reasonable portion of a human being. So like, how can we stop doing this in such a way to where, well, no, let me ask another question. How do you feel like a woman wants to be addressed? Um, being a big woman, um, should we refer to her in any type of way based on her size or should we just call her her name? You know, it's, it's really weird for me where, we live in, in a society now where we normalize the negative things and force it down people's throats. Right, right. And it's exactly like you said, like calling someone a meal. I remember when somebody called me a snack, I'm like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, and they further explain it. I'm like, so you're basically telling me that I look like food? That's not a compliment. I don't like that shit. Don't call me that, you know? <laughs> right, right. I'm worried about that kind of stuff. They go, oh, you're looking like a home meal. No, I'm not. You can tell me I look sexy. You can tell me I look beautiful. You can tell me I look gorgeous. You can tell me that I look allure. There are a whole bunch of other adjectives that you could use other than comparing me to friggin' food. Tell me that I look edible even. Don't tell me that I look like a friggin' meal. Mm. Like, so what do I look like? You know what I mean? A, a, a turkey thigh and some gravy and mashed potato. Like, <laughs> like, how do you compare those things? It's just, it's it's bizarre to me. It's bizarre to me that we normalize these these negative words to, and, and force them down people's throats and make them think, you know, so now you have girls walking around like, yes, I'm a snack bitch. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm out here looking like a whole meal. No, sis, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Don't take someone's forced normalization of an idiotic term to define yourself, you know? And again, why are we not addressing people? Like, and, and granted, you may not know the person's name, you know, but there are more polite and respectful ways that you can address somebody that will still get their attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are. There yeah. there are more polite and respectful ways of addressing somebody where you will still get their attention, you know, instead of, of, of the derogatory things that we try to normalize. 
we need to stop doing that. And we need to stop forcing those things on people. And it's crazy because it's like, there becomes this bandwagon that everybody wants to jump on because everybody wants to use this cool term. There's nothing cool about it. There's absolutely nothing cool about it. Because when you're looking at a woman and you're saying, you know, you look like a whole meal because you've got the rolls, you've got the thighs, you've got, you know, the belly meat, you've got like all these sort of things. You're basically telling her that she's fat, but try to twist it to make it sound sexy so that she will turn around and be like, oh my God, you're talking to me. Like, oh my God, you're looking at me. Like, oh my God, I'm so flattered. That's so wonderful. No, it's not positive. There's nothing positive in that message in any way, shape or form. We have normalized something that is very negative and offensive and try to put a spit on it to make it fantastic. It's it's, it's absolutely not. Address her as a woman. You know what I mean? If you don't know her name, you can still respectfully go up and talk to her without all that, yo, baby, you're looking like a snack. I'd really love to get to know you. How about, you know what? You look really beautiful and I would really like to get to know you. Wow. Wow. Right. It sounds to me, telling me that I would, I look beautiful and you really like to get to know me sounds better than you saying to me, yo, you're looking like a whole snack with extra gravy to me. Like, I don't, I don't support it at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Okay, so um, in that um, in that conversation that you were having, basically giving some of your background, I, I noticed um, what stuck out to me most is the very, very vast range of labels, right? Most of which I didn't even know existed until you begin to name them, right? Mm-hmm. So my question to you would be, where did these labels come from that you know of? Because in my mind. The question I want to ask is, was these labels developed in the women's space of trying to figure out what made them comfortable in terms of reference? Because I never heard more than half of the <laughs> the supersized BBW, the plus, the I never heard as many as you gave. So is this a space where women are trying to find what makes them comfortable in this very class classless societal issue that we're addressing in the show was that like something that kind of existed within the realm of the bbw i think so so a couple of years ago i was asked to be um part of a calendar that was put out for bbws and then within the conversations i had actually learned for the first time the term ssbbw so because I didn't want to shame myself <laughs> and ask what that meant, I was like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You kind of go with the conversations. But I'm a person that likes to do research. Mm-hmm. So when um, the group chat ended, I went online and typed in, like, you know, SSBBW. So I'm like, what the hell does that mean? When time to find out say, a supersized BBW, I was like, okay, what the fuck is a supersized BBW? Then I'm doing further research to find out. So there's there's a category of thick women, which I found out that I now fit into which is really weird because once upon a time, my size was considered to be fat. Really weird. Um, So I fit into the thick category. Then there's the BBW category, which I think is like size maybe 18 to 20. And then there's the SSBBW category, which is like size size 22 and up. Mm. A, A thick girl to a BBW girl to an SSBBW girl is the difference in the weight and how much like if they have a FUPA, like there are certain criterias that are, are required in order to be within these variations or these categories. It's absolutely ridiculous to me. You know what I mean? Coming from a Jamaican background, if you're if like, okay, so my size, they would say that I'm fluffy. 
Mm. That's, that's what they call me. They call me fluffy, you know? But then a, a girlfriend of mine, so I'm a size 14, then a girlfriend of mine who's like a size 20, they also call her fluffy or they call her fluffy plus, you know? So those are like, those to me are like our West Indian terms, you know? So like in Jamaica, they don't feel no way to, you know, they're like, you know, they'll say like, you know, what I'm goody, what I'm fluffy, what I'm fluffy diva. You know what I mean? They don't really use the term BBW or SSBBW. If you're a big girl, they call you fluffy. Mm-hmm. Or fluffy empress. Or they try to put some fluffy queen. They all, But it always starts off with fluffy and then they add something else <laughs> to the end of it. So if you've got a little bit of bounce or you're bigger than like a size 10, you're you're automatically in the fluffy category. And anybody that's bigger than a size 10 is automatically in the fluffy category. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Okay. Um, whereas in North America, like I said, you've got the category of thick. Then you've got, you know, thick and plus size. Then you've got, um, you know, the BBWs. And then you've got, you know, the super plus size, which is the SSBBWs. That's that's more of a North American phenomenon, which I found out. Um, and it's really weird because, like, okay, so in the Caribbean, like, especially in Jamaica, they don't skin teeth. Sorry, let me say that again. They don't feel no type of, I was going to say they don't skin teeth. They don't feel no type of way to call you fat. And they're very quick to tell you that they don't mean it in an offensive way. They're just, they're not trying to call you out of your name and they're not trying to shame or embarrass you. They're calling you based on your body size. So it's not uncommon to be walking down the street and hear somebody say, hey, fat browning, come here now. Hey, fluffy diva, fluffy empress with the tattoo them, come here now, me want chat to you, right? And you're supposed to take that as a compliment. In the Caribbean, that, that's something that's been very normalized because it's basically, it's two categories. You're either fat or you're slim. There's no in-between. Mm. There, there's no in-between. And oftentimes when someone is talking to you, there isn't really anything derogatory in their speech. It's not uncommon to like, you know, be here and then go home on vacation and somebody in your family is like, why I look fatty? Good life, good life suits you. Enough things are going for you. Your money must turn up because you live life and I'm good. So for them saying to you that you look fat or that you look like you put on weight is some kind of weird, demented, backhanded compliment because it means that you have enough money. But yeah, I, I feel like as women, we've accepted and adopted these terms and even created terms for ourselves so that we feel comfortable before anybody else can make us feel uncomfortable. Oh, wow. So this is what you're going to call us. We're going to take control of that and call ourselves that and put a spin on it and make it even sexier so that you can't shame and embarrass us. This is what we've termed ourselves and this is what we accept. You know, right, there are a right. lot of women that I know that within their tags for their Instagram, they've got BBW such and such and such or SSBBW such and such and such. They've embraced it as part of who they are and part of what they are. So no one can turn around and use it against them to shame and embarrass them. You can't tell me I'm fat because I know that I'm fat and what move on to something else. You Mm. know what I mean? You can't tell me that I'm a big girl. I know that I'm big girl. What else do you have to come with? You know? So for them in, in, because it's been forced on them, they've taken a spin on it to make it theirs so that they can't be shamed and embarrassed by it. Wow. So all of these things are just ways or mechanisms to make them comfortable in this space of being marginalized in a sense. Wow. Oh, that's messed up. Even when we have issue with it, or even like I've worked in the plus size community for the better part of 10 years. 
Um, and, and part of my responsibility without talking about my business and what I do externally, part of my responsibility is helping these, not helping, but creating for these women to be able to truly embrace whatever size they are and to look and feel beautiful at whatever size they are. Okay. That's, that's been my responsibility and that's been my job for the, for over 10 years. Okay. So I have worked with women who consider to be plus size at a size 10. And then I've worked with women within that, that range who are considered to be plus size all the way up to a size 28. Mm. And no matter what size they are, my responsibility and my job is to create for them so that they feel beautiful and feel empowered and that they feel graceful and appreciated and loved and they're deemed as being sexy, not just like in the outward appearance to society, but for themselves, the way that they feel internally and to truly embrace that. And for people to truly look at them and be like, holy shit, she looks amazing. Right. Right. You know, I've, I've heard, you know, the conversations where, you know, they've gone into a store and, you know, the salesperson looks at them like, why are you in here? We don't have anything for you. And the salesperson will literally follow them around the store again, giving off that vibe, like, why are you in here? We don't have anything to fit you. And you can't even ask a question because they'll be like, no, we don't have that in your size. Uh, no, we don't have that in your size. Uh, wow. No, we don't have that in your size. Wow. You know, no tap, no decorum, no nothing. You know, even if they're in there looking for a purse, <laughs> you know, the first thing that wants to come out of the salesperson's mouth is, no, we don't have anything in your size. But even just their attitude and, and the demeanor to them, you know, towards a, a woman who is a, is a plus size woman, is like, you shouldn't be in here. You don't have the right to shop in here. You don't have the right to wear anything that's fashionable. You don't have the right to look beauty beautiful. You don't have the right to be deemed as sexy. And again, that to me is just absolutely crazy. So it's like, on one hand, you know, the plus size community has taken these words and put a spin on them um, in order to empower themselves so that they cannot be made to feel ashamed. But in having to embrace those negative words and put that spin on it, they also feel ashamed because it just shouldn't have to be that way. Wow. Okay. So in that space of not really, well, how can I word this? Because I, I'm, I'm being very mindful of what you're saying because I want to adjust this in myself as I'm learning from you speak. Um, the, the size bracket that you, you know, assist in making feel beautiful, right? It's a vast difference. And the person that's a size 28 may look at the person that's a size 12 or 14 and say, well, you're not really big. You're not really yeah. considered um, to really be um, BBW classified in a sense. There's a sense of um, entitlement in that space as well. So um, how do you keep women who will probably love to be a 16, but you're a 28 um, how do you keep them in a confident headspace in that regard? Because they may be very well bearing witness to a a nice and beautiful 16 model or a young lady of whatever, you know, whatever the term may be. You may see somebody a lot smaller and look a certain type of way and have a, a small hint of envy because you would like to be that smaller size but you not realize that she fits the same category as you. Like, how do you keep that headspace positive in that instance? For me, it's, it's really just about 
the positive reinforcements and the positive conversations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just earlier I was I was having a discussion with someone uh, about the art of seduction, and you know, I said to her, it, it doesn't matter whether you're in size two or size twenty-two. It's about how you love and embrace your body, and it's about how you work with what you have and where you're at. You know, um, the reality is people are not always happy with their bodies, regardless of whether they're a size 16 or a size 22 or a size 10 or a size eight. You see it all the time. You have, you know, women who are a size eight and going to go get all kinds of surgery to get more ass and a smaller waist and bigger breasts and, you know, get rid of the flaps on their arms and all this other bullshit. You know, the natural assumption that someone who's a size 10 is happier than someone who's a size you know, 22 or 28 is mm. absolutely asinine. Right, right. Um, with me, with working in the plus size community, I always tell women, you can wear anything. Just wear it in your size. You know, mm. there shouldn't be anyone who says to you, well, you can't wear a two-piece bathing suit because you're a size 28. That's a bunch of bullshit. I've seen women who wear a size 28 in a two-piece bathing suit. It's just that the bottom of their bathing suit is a little bit, you know, uh, broader or has a little bit more material to accommodate the parts of their body that they want to hold securely. And then the, the bathing suit top is bigger because they've got, you know, wider areas to cover, but it doesn't mean that they don't look any less spectacular in their two-piece bathing suit than someone who's a size 10, you know, mm-hmm. never take for granted that because someone is a smaller size means that they're over the moon about their body. Oftentimes those women who are at a smaller size are just as disgruntled with whatever it is that they're dealing with, what they see visually about themselves than you are, you know, I I will tell you a crazy, crazy story. I dated this man. I have all these kind of weird dating stories. <laughs> I dated this man, and I will tell you, BJ, you know why we parted company? This man told me I wasn't big enough for him. Really? He told me I wasn't physically big enough for him because he liked fatter women. I, I never, like, <laughs> I didn't even know how to respond. I was like, what? Wow. He's like, you know, like, no disrespect. He's like, you're absolutely beautiful, but I like my women with more meat on their body. And I didn't know how to take that. I was completely floored. He's like, you're small. He's like, what are you, like a size 12, 13? I'm like, no, I'm a size 14. I'm here bigging up my chest, right? (laughs) Come back when you've gained like 50 pounds. I'm like, wow. He's like, I'm not trying to be offensive. He's like, but I like what I like. He's like, I like women that have size on them. He's like, I like to see a BBW when she is dressed. Oh my God. He's like, you can't talk to no woman. When a woman is confident she got size on her and she knows how to dress, you can't talk to her. Those are the women. And the thing is, we maintained a really great, we maintained a really great friendship friendship when I got out of my feelings and I stopped being offended by the fact that he didn't want to be with me because I was too small. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's true, like confidence is not size bound. Confidence is not tied to a specific dress size or pant size or bra size or any of those other things. Confidence is tied to the person and the person alone. There shouldn't be anybody that tells you you can't wear something because, oh, that doesn't look good on your, oh, that's not appropriate for, for you to wear. Stop listening to the fuckery and the bullshit and people telling you that foolishness. From it's made in your size and it's made to fit you, wear your shit and wear it with confidence. And this is what I tell women. You know what I mean? If I'm creating something for you at a size 28, it was created for you at a size 28. I didn't look at a woman who's like a size 14 and say, you know, hey, I should make this in a bigger No, I looked at the woman whose body was a size 28 and I said to myself, what would look spectacular on her? What would look amazing on her? What can I what can I create for her that would make her feel confident and beautiful? So when she steps out, she'd be like, oh my God, is that me? 
That's mm. that's the reaction and that's the response that you know what I I want for them. So for me, I'm always telling women like stop fighting amongst yourselves about oh well she's smaller and she feels like she's better because she's smaller or she's too big to be wearing that. It has nothing to do with that. Sexiness is not it's it's not size specific. Beauty is not size specific. You know, being alluring is not size specific. Being sensual and seductive is not size specific. It's about the person. It's about the internal workings of the person. It's about their mind. It's about their character. It's about their heart. It's about the way they, they carry themselves and what they exude internally to the external. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there is a part of this conversation that we do have to address in terms of self-esteem because there are a lot of women who are um plus size or whatever term you're comfortable with using that aj gave us in that vast list but um there are women that will degrade themselves when they come in contact with men because they know that their size or their perception of their size comes to them as a disadvantage when they go out into the dating world and um, the intimate spaces that they exist in. So um, how do we keep women from lessening themselves based on their size? Because I think, and just to be honest, um, I grew up in a home where men told me the fat girls were the freakier girls. The reason why it is disrespectful is not naturally the reason why it may be true. And I just want to address that part because there is a certain truth to it because we have to address the self-esteem issues that exist in that space, even though it is very much disrespectful. So how do we keep women from lessening themselves in that regard because they're big, because it has to start with them first, not with the men? Um, Stop dating fuckboys. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple, huh? <laughs> most basic way in the most simplest of terms stop dating fuck boys and stop dating disrespectful men and stop dating men who don't value you the sad and unfortunate thing is um you know i do think that you have women who go above and beyond sexually because they feel like they have a prove a point to prove in proving that they're worthy to be with the individual if they you know if they do these certain sexual things better than a smaller sized woman, then that will make the man come back. Yes, he'll come back, but he's only going to be coming back to you for the nasty and dirty things that you do, not mm -hmm. coming back to you because of the content of your character or because he wants to be with you. You know, we need to stop putting ourselves in those spaces where we open up ourselves and give avenues to these individuals to come into our lives and to only fix themselves to us for those reasons you okay, know okay um if if you if you are comfortable and content sexually and comfortable and content with yourself and you're confident in that so if you're having sex with somebody and you're doing the nasty dirty things you want to do because you want to not because you're forced into that space because of your size that's a completely and separate conversation altogether because you do have some women who are of a plus size and, and, you know, the SSBBWs who are very comfortable with their bodies and wouldn't change their bodies for nothing, you know, and, and they're out there licking and fucking and sucking, doing everything that they want to do, but they're also comfortable with themselves. I'm, I'm talking about the women who feel like, okay, unless I suck his dick really sloppy, he's not going to want to talk to me anymore. So let me suck his dick really sloppy. And then, you know, maybe he'll call me tomorrow. And then he doesn't call you tomorrow. He calls when he wants his dick sucked again. 
you know mm. those are the fuck boys that you need to stay away from those are the fuck men that you need to stay away from and those are the situations that you need to stop putting yourself in you know there isn't anyone on the planet who is worth your self-respect nobody absolutely nobody no you that, know right, and if it right. means the good-looking guy or the jock doesn't talk to you anymore then he just doesn't talk to you anymore because sis he doesn't respect you He's not talking to you because he's interested in you. He's not talking to you because he's looking at you as a potential a potential girlfriend. He's not talking to you because he's looking at having a potential future with you. He's talking to you because he deems you to be a fat bitch that sucks really good dick. Wow, wow. But that that's what it is, you know what I mean? You are the one who is in control of you. Stop allowing people to use you in those situations. You know, stop believing that that person really values you, regardless of what he says. Because you know what? When you're sucking a man's dick properly, he'll probably give you a gold credit card if you ask him to. <laughs> you know what I mean? In mm. that moment where you're doing all the nasty, dirty things that he likes because his girlfriend won't do those things, he's going to say whatever it is that he has to say to you in order to keep you in that space. That's not a space of liking. He doesn't like you and he doesn't respect you. Right, right. He's not saying those things to you from a place of love or a place of respect because he doesn't love or respect you. Okay, so how does the woman with the self-esteem issue identify the difference between the fuckboy and the guy that actually likes her? If the fuckboy... Okay, so fuckboys are never going to go anywhere with you in public. You know, you know limited things about them. You only know, and, and a lot of times the things that you, you will find out about them, you find out on social media. These aren't things that they're telling you themselves. You know, the fuckboy's never going to call and check on you. And when he does call and check, call in and check on you, it's because he's looking to gain something from you. You know, so he may like call you today and say, hey, how you're doing? And there's no sexual conversation. And then the next day he'd be like, hey, how are you doing? You know, I really miss you. You know, when can I see you? And then the third day, you're going to go see him. You give him some head, you give him some pussy, and then you don't hear from him for another week. And that's on rotation. That's cyclical. You know what I mean? Mm. So then a week goes by, you don't hear from him, even though you're messaging him. He's like, hey, I'm busy. I'll, you know, I'll message you when I have some time. A week goes by, and then it's like, you know, hey, I really miss you. How's everything going? And then day two, it's like, hey, I really miss you. When can I see you again? You know, I can't wait to love up on you. And then day three, you're back fucking him again and giving him head. And then you don't hear from him for another week, right? It only takes two cycles of that and hopefully only one to pay attention to the fact that this person doesn't mean you any good and they have no good intentions towards you. Someone who is genuinely and sincerely interested in you will make an effort that's not sexually related. Mm. You know, they may have sexual desire towards you, but if they're truly interested in you, that should be at the back of their mind and not the forefront of their mind. Someone who's trying to jump in your jaws and jump in your pump on a regular basis that doesn't care about you, yeah, their their conversations are usually steered and geared towards what kind of sexual favors you can do for them. You also need to pay attention to what the reciprocity is of those sexual inter interactions. You know, if he never kisses you, he never caresses you, you guys never fuck with lights on, you never go anywhere that's decent, you've never been to his house, he either takes you to a cheap motel, fucks you in the car, or fucks you on the couch on a regular basis. That's a fuckboy, and he's not interested in you. He just wants whatever sexual favors you can give him. Mm, mm. Ooh, this was a lot. I really feel like <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like I learned so much. Um, I really I look at a lot of my interactions because I was always the chubby chaser, like my entire life, you know. Um, and even in listening to what you were saying, I realized that even that for me, even though I wasn't ashamed, I really wasn't 
um the guy that was fortunate to have every girl I wanted. So it was no way for me to be prideful in my experiences to hide anybody. So even in those moments of dating women of size, I still was not as educated and not as sure as I thought I was as to what I was really liking and desiring from that um, group of women. So I have a lot of, of adjustment to do in the thought process going forward. And um, you really provided a lot of information that I did not know um, women of that bracket go through. That's, um, I, that's a very lonely space sometimes, you know, to endure that and not have a support system. And then um, it, it makes you challenge your support system because here is AJ, this beautiful woman who is looked at as, oh, well, you're not even big. You know what I'm saying? But you have these moments where you're put in these spaces and conflicts as much as they are. They'll never understand that you are the perfect person to feel their pain. You know, yeah. so that's a that's a rough space, you know, to be in. I'll tell you, I come from a family background where other than my daughter, I am the biggest person in my family. And like I said, I'm, I'm a size 13, 14. Anybody who, and I see your face, you're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I remember, I remember when I was in high school and in high school, I was probably a size eight, maybe a size 10. And I remember the first time I heard the word fat in reference to me. And I could tell you, like, I remember plain as day, I was going across to the plaza to go get fries with gravy. And I remember it was a warm summer afternoon. And I remember, I, and I remember because I was wearing white shorts and this guy said to me like, oh my God, you should take those shorts off. You look fat. You heard me, right? I was like a size eight or a size 10. Wow. I remember um, when I was in my early twenties, my mother, who is probably a size six, and at that time, I was probably a size 10, maybe a size 12. My mother looking at me and saying, you know, you're really pretty, but you could lose a little bit of weight. BJ, when I tell you I was probably 145 pounds. Wow. wow. And my mother looking at me and telling me that I should lose some weight. Not a lot, you know, if you lose like 15 or 20 pounds. And I'm looking at her like, and you know, I couldn't really cuss her <laughs> because it's my mother. You understand? But... That's what I'm saying. Like, those those are the things that you're made to feel shame about. So I'm thinking this was like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was considered a fat girl. Mm. So fast forward 20 some odd years later, BJ's looking at me like, bitch, where? Not, not that you're, that's what you're saying. <laughs> no, but even still, like, you know, even the man that I'm currently dating right now, he looks at me all the time. And he's like, why do you keep calling yourself plus size or like a BB? He's like, you're not. Stop saying that. Right. He's like, your average size. He's like, if you look at the way that fashion is now and society is now, you're average size. You're no longer in the category of BBW. He's like, you're just thick. That's it. That's the only thing you've got is, is that you're thick. He's mm. like, you need to stop saying that you're plus size because you're not. And when I look at the evolution of the physical body and that where we've come from, from when I was like a size 810 and considered fat to where I am now, I'm like... Not, you know, it's like, how how do we keep changing, you know, the, the standards or the norm? And why are there standards in the norm to say that, you know, at a size 10, you're fat. At a size 22, you're super, super fat. At a size 14, you're average, you're okay. Like, it's just absolutely crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like I am a good person to speak on it. Not also, not because of the, the my area of expertise and where I work, 
but because I've experienced that shaming as a kid and mm. as a young adult. Right, Absolutely right. Crazy. Wow. Wow. Well, I definitely thank you for um, the educational background that you did share um, based on what you could share. And then also enlightening the listeners of the struggle for those women who um, really deserve to be treated like women. That's it. Like um, your size, your preferences, your color, all of those things do not matter. Um, What's most important is that you're a human being. So um, that's the reason why I wanted to discuss this, because I knew I know, actually, it's not even a past tense thing. I know uh, quite a few women who are struggling very much with this right now. And um, I kind of wanted to be a, a positive advocate for um, just just those people who would like to address those things, but not necessarily know how to. Most of the things that I was trying to figure out how to ask, you answered it before I could even get the question out. So this this was very healthy. And um, I really appreciate you for sharing because that's what you do. Sharing is caring. (laughs) (laughs) So very, very welcome. Um, If I could say anything to your female listeners and and the women who listen to your podcast, you have to embrace and love who you are. You know, there's no perfect size. There is no perfect size to be healthy. I know women who are to size 20 and play ball and go to the gym on a regular basis, but their bodies are just a size 20. Mm-hmm. And I know women who are a size 10 and are unhealthy as hell, you know? Um, but regardless of all of that, whatever size your body is at, you know, and, and until you can do something to change it, or you get to a point of wanting to do something to change it, it's your body. Love her, embrace her, you know what I mean? Empower her, be kind to her, value her, respect her. Because if you don't do all of those things, it makes it difficult for anyone else to do. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't do all of those things, you open up a really bad gateway for unhealthy people to come into your life, for fuckboys to come into your life, for people to come and take advantage of you because you don't understand your self-worth. Your size does not determine how valuable you are. Mm-hmm. It really and truly doesn't, you know. You are a queen and you are beautiful and you deserve to be loved and you deserve to be respected and you deserve to be embraced with all of those things. But you have to do that for yourself because no one else can do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. Whatever the size that your body is in, love her, respect her, embrace her, treat her like the queen that she is because that's you. And there's only one of you. Right, right. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Badass Jones has just gifted you with a very positive affirmation to love yourself for who and what you are, despite what people tell you. I really do appreciate this conversation. Um, If anybody was to um, desire to find you on any form of social media or otherwise, where would you direct them to so they can stay in touch with you? Um, you can find me on my personal Instagram page at badass underscore Jones underscore. You can follow my podcast page at the Pum Pum. That's the P-U-M-P-U-M, the Pum Pum Chronicles pod. <laughs> um, you can email me if you need to at the Pum Pum Chronicles at gmail.com. And I'm also on Twitter uh, at that Jones kid, AJ1. Yes, indeed. Um, Definitely uh, get in touch with her and follow all of what she has going on with the Poom Poom Chronicles. It's getting spicy 
over there already. You know, it's in a, a very great space. So um, I definitely suggest that you um, align yourself with her. She has a lot of very sexy yet educational information that she does share on her platform. And um, I think it is in your best interest if you would like to educate yourself on feeling better about yourself and taking care of your body, as she stated, you can follow her on Instagram. She does that all over her page. So that is a very positive um, motivation for you if you are looking for one. Again, thank you for um, being a guest. And also, if you would like to follow me, you can follow me at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. My show page is The Subject Change on Instagram. Um, any comments, if you have anything for me, you can email me as well at loveletters115 at gmail.com. And this has been an episode of, t- no, I hate calling it episode because it is not an episode. It is a lesson because AJ was teaching us valuable information. So this has been another lesson of teach me how to love you better that we're going to title fetishes because that's the highlight. I'll see you guys again in two weeks. Peace and blessings.